Welcome to episode 64 of the Cake Watch podcast, uh, an irregular exploration of Brexit and its implications from a Brussels perspective by me, Chris Kendall. Uh, I'm an official with the European Union institutions in Brussels. Um, that's purely, by the way, I'm podcasting in a strictly personal capacity. And with me is... Uh, Steve Bullock. Uh, I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU and also here in Brussels. And I, I, I'm calling it irregular because we haven't done one for three weeks. It's infrequent and irregular. Yeah, um, no, we've, we've, we've... It was frequent and irregular and now it's infrequent and irregular. Yeah, we've fallen away from our, from our weekly rhythm. And there are reasons for that. I had a really interesting experience uh, in the office last week, which is a, a colleague of mine... A French colleague of mine who's quite he's he's quite fascinated by the car crash of Brexit, and um, he there's a, a column I think it's in I think it's in the figure I, no he wouldn't have been because he's I think in one of the French broadsheets anyway there's a column the Daily Brexit column where they basically it's like um, the Reader's Digest uh, <laughs> it's a funny old world column you know yeah, yeah. Um, it's like what are those lunatics up to now in the bre- in the world of Brexit and he says it, it, it says what's what's going on you lot you just stopped. You, you're not interested in Brexit. You've all stopped. You've just accepted it. And I'm like, no, it's an election. No, on the contrary, we're, we're in an election period. It, it, it's worse than ever. He said, yeah. but I, don't, I don't hear any, I don't hear any more crazy stories about what you crazy people are doing. And I'm like, well, that's because it's all got so incredibly incestuous and internal insular and, 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 yeah, and insular. Yeah, it's actually no longer interesting to anybody outside. It's all just horrible. And yeah. And also, so. I mean, you, I mean, I've felt this as well as, uh, you know, I think what I've normally got to bring to people is, you know, hopefully a bit of insight into how things actually work in negotiations, how things actually work in the institutions, you know, like you do as well. Yeah. And there's no, and there's no negotiations. Yeah. Um, you know, bit, yeah. so yeah, for the bit that, uh, you know, I consider myself to be qualified more than, more than most bits to, to, to talk about is kind of, is kind of done. And we, you know, we've, the, op- the options are, the options are clear now, and it's essentially up to the electorate now which options are taken. So yeah, yeah. So isn't um, it, it's also, gone. Oh no, yeah. Also, I've been I've been sick as well. I mean, thanks very much to Laura for coming on while I was uh, while I was indisposed as well. I had a sort of multiple infection. I had proper flu, not man flu. The doctor was very clear that it wasn't man flu, um, and uh, and a sinus infection at the same time, and it just completely wiped me out for like. Well, completely for a week and then virtually for another week as well. Um, yeah, you did a really scary get, tweet. Get your flu shot. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that's a good point. No, I, I really yeah. should. But no, there was a really scary tweet that you did where you went on Twitter and said, hey, Twitter, is, is, is it normal for my head to be melting and my heart to have stopped and to be flatlining and my pulse to be 117? Well, I don't. Well, I, I, had a, I had a really high temperature over 39. It was like 39.2 or 39.3. And I just don't, I don't get hot. I don't, I don't, I don't get temperatures. Sorry, I get hot, but I don't get, I don't get temperatures. Um, I do perspire. I should add. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't sweat, but, um, but actually, but yeah, it was actually very scary because uh, 
because I didn't. I, I was that hot and didn't sweat and couldn't cool down. Um, mm. And yeah, no, it was quite. It was. It was a little bit. A little bit scary to be honest. But yeah. um, but no, no, I'm. I'm. I'm getting better now. But I've been taking it. I've been taking it very easy since because mm. um, I want to, you know, recover properly. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, get get your flu shots for God's sake. Non-optional. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't do it. I thought I. St- I, I was going to, and I thought I still had time to basically before the season and. Yeah, I was wrong. So yeah, no, I really, I really need to get around to that. Yeah. But um, here we are, back, um, the old gang back together, um, and not, not so much offering our expert advice on Brexit, just really two random blokes commenting on the shit show. <laughs> yeah, that we're is more the into general election. <laughs> we're more into what what I reckon territory here than expertise, yeah, aren't we? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which, let's Send face us it, your is, reckon. Yeah, which is more or less what we do every week, but, um, but with a facade with a veneer, of expertise. Yeah, a plausible <laughs> veneer. <laughs> a veneer. Of, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I think we, we should dive into it. I mean, we are um, n- now into the election campaign, which we were not the last time we recorded. Um, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's one thing that we want to talk about more than anything else, which is how to vote in order to maximise the chances of killing Brexit, because it is still possible. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I should think that most people listening to this will probably have an idea about what that entails, but we're going to talk it through and we're going to talk about the uh, ethics of it and the reasons for it and the the logic of it and the rationale and so on. Because I think it, 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 I think it's helpful for people to go over that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. No, I do think so because the I think there's a bit of a danger. Um, I mean, it, it, tactical voting is something that elicits very, very emotional responses from people. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's a bit of a danger that proponents of it, like us, um, haven't necessarily appreciated the appreciated that enough and taken that into account in the explanations of it so hopefully this is a you know this is maybe an opportunity to discuss the worries that people have about yeah. it and discuss the objections that people ha- people have to it yeah um, and try to try to explain the point of view maybe a little bit maybe a little bit a little bit better as well well it, it, it's very it's a very bad temper time um on on twitter which is where we live most of our lives <laughs> It's a very bad temper time. It's, it, it, it's very it really uncomfortable. Is. People are very highly strung, are very emotional, are very angry with each other. You've got people who um, have been living, breathing um, the fight against Brexit these last three years and see a route forward out of this if people act in a sensible, sort of coordinated way, according to us. Yeah. Um, and then... Those people who've been, you know, our allies this entire time on, on, on Twitter and we have these conversations on Twitter, they're all saying things that frighten us silly because they're saying things that make us think, wait, you're not going to, you're not going to do this. You're, you're, if you don't do this, we're lost. You know, this is, this, yeah, 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 and absolutely. it's exceptionally scary and emotional for us. But then what we, what, what we're perhaps discounting is that it's also exactly exceptionally scary and emotional for these people because for, for, for other people, I mean, people have got different um sets of preoccupations and if you if you're a party loyalist say for example or if you, if you strongly identify with your party or if you've um 
if you're holding out for uh, a certain kind of electrical reform and so on, you might be looking at things in a slightly different way. And then, and that's not even then to begin to go into the whole um, emotive, yeah, tribal stuff about um, um, how how a traditional Labour voter might feel about the Lib Dems given recent history, how yeah. um, how people might feel about a party led by Jeremy Corbyn given the way that um, they've handled anti-Semitism. Um, or problems. not handled it. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, uh, so there are all sorts of legitimate reasons for people to be... But I, I, I thought that the, the take that you gave... Um, right back at the beginning of the campaign, Steve, will, will not be bettered. I mean, you, 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 you broke it down in very clear uh, deontological terms, in very clear sort of ethical terms. Um, you categorise, you, what you do is you, you, you prioritise your outcomes, you prioritise your... Um, well, why, why don't you, you tell us in your own words? Because yeah, well, well, so on the morality of it, there are basically two ways to vote. Um, you can vote for the candidate or party or leader of the party that you most want, that you think will be best, that is most aligned with your views, that has the same vision for the future as you do. And if we had a proper electoral system, and I hope very much one day that we do, then that would be, in most cases, absolutely fine. Because... In a proportional voting system, this would bring the consequence that you would have more, represent- more representation for the views that you wanted more rep- views and people that you wanted more representation for. However, we don't have a proportional system. We have a winner-take-all, first-past-the-post constituency system. And what this means is that if you do that, there's a very good chance that your vote for the person who person who you think's right the policies who you think are right, the party that you think are are right and best, will in fact bring a consequence that you don't want. And that's the second way of voting. The second way of voting is to vote based on getting the consequences that you want or avoiding the consequences that you most don't don't want. And that's what tactical voting is about. In a in a in as I say, in a good system, we could all keep our hands clean. We could all do what we thought was in our conscience morally best to do um and that would be that would be the only bit of decision making that we would need to that we, we would need to make and that would be the only moral consideration that we would need to make but when the consequences of a Tory majority are so bad so far reaching um then I don't think that's the case. I don't think we can have the moral luxury of trying to keep our hands clean. Mm. Uh, we, ha- we have to be focused on consequences, and getting good consequences sometimes means holding your nose uh, morally and voting for someone you would much prefer not to give your vote to um, so that you can get a con- the consequence, avoid the consequences that, that, would, be, that would be catastrophic. Now... In moral terms, there's two sets of principles at stake here. I mean, there's two approaches to morality. There's an approach to morality of of intentions versus consequences, which, you know, um, we could talk endlessly about the moral theory behind that, but it would probably be quite quite boring. Um, But this 
doesn't mean, and I think I think a lot of people have thought that what we're asking people to do when we ask them to vote tactically is to say is to fuck their principles. Is to say, okay, I'm not. Well, you want me to put aside all of my principles. You want me to. Uh, you, want, you want me to vote in, a, in in an unprincipled way. Well, my argument about that would be that you have first order and second order principles, and the first order principles are the big ones about the kind of society we want, um, about uh, about equality, about equal treatment, and so on. These are the big the big moral principles, and all of those are adversely affected by a Johnson government and a and a hard and a hard Brexit. And then you have the second, the the, the what you call second or, second order principles, which are about you know individual policies and the implementation of that, and even about you could argue about who would who would who would be there to who would be in power to to Im- implement them. Um. So this is what this is what tactical voting is about. It's about being focused absolutely laser like on the mm. on the on the consequences of your vote and making sure that you give your vote to the candidate most likely to uh to beat the conservative to beat the conservative candidate in in your constituency now most constituencies it doesn't really matter because they're um they're unwinnable for uh for remain uh or for a prog- for for progressives or they're unwinnable for the unwinnable for the tories but because of the system, you have you have um, a, a relatively small number of seats where this really, really does matter. And the research from Best for Britain shows that you only need thirty or forty percent of uh, Remain voters to vote tactically. Um, that is, uh, vote for a party that they wouldn't normally vote for to keep out a Tory, um, and you could end up with uh, a Remain majority in. In Parliament, or a progressive majority in 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 Parliament, and they're only talking about consequences. There are only really three potential outcomes here. Because I mean, <laughs> didn't John Curtis say the other day that the the the, the chances of a Labour majority were effectively zero? Mm. So we can exclude that. So anybody anybody who wouldn't usually vote for Labour and is scared by a Labour majority really shouldn't be too worried about that because there's just the maths and the polling. Show there's just no chance whatsoever of a of a of a labor labor majority, and and the 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 betting markets seriously reflect this as well. I mean, there's the betting markets have a conservative majority odds on, mm. um, and a hung parliament a little bit over evens, and then I think a labor majority is like twenty two to one, and a Lib Dem majority is between a hundred and two hundred and fifty to one, um, and twenty two to one in a two horse race is basically a massive a massive outsider, mm, you know? Mm. Um, so, uh, so it doesn't even take, every, it doesn't actually even take every, everybody to do it. It take, but it does take a very significant proportion of, of, of people, people to do this. And you're upholding very, very basic principles about equality, about, uh, minority rights, about everybody, about human rights and human rights in general and, and so on by doing this. Even if it feels bad morally, and it, it, of course it feels bad morally, it feels bad morally to give your vote to somebody you don't like. I mean, of course it does. It's it's totally understandable that people feel like that. But I just urge them to think about the bigger thing, the bigger things at stake, and the bigger consequences at stake, and not to get wrapped up in 
in potential outcomes that aren't really potential outcomes. Because the three potential outcomes are a Tory majority, uh, a hung parliament with t- the Tories uh, as... Uh, Largest uh, party. The, the Tories as the biggest party, and a hung parliament with um, effectively the opposition parties being, being in a majority and maybe being able to put something together to keep the Tories out of power. Hmm. I mean... <sighs> There, there's some incredibly there, there. I, I sense an, an enormous amount of complacency, but also a naivety on on the part of some people on our on our side here. Um, I had a few exchanges yesterday that I found very unsettling, um, where I was talking to one person who, for example, was perfectly confident that there was absolutely no way that Johnson could win a majority. It just couldn't happen. And therefore, we should all be fighting about what um, what kind of future we want. And, and that the number one objective in this election is to kill the Corbyn clique that is leading the Labour Party into the sewer. I'm like, <laughs> come on, you know, I mean... Now's not the, now's not, now's not, now is just not the time. It I is mean, just the pool, such the a ridiculous luxury to start... Yeah. It is. It's a, luxury, it's, it's a luxury and it's about... It's about keeping your hands clean, and we have a we have a we have a big tradition of this in the in in Western culture generally, but also in but also in the UK specifically. You know, and I think it, it comes from uh, it comes from a religious past. It comes from pro- Christianity and different forms of Christianity, but maybe particularly Protestantism. You know, that the 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 idea is that you live a good life. You know, it it, it as long as you do good. Mm. then it's fine you know you get you get to you get to heaven yeah. and that's what it and that's and that's what it's all about and this completely ignores the law of you know the 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 idea of unintended unintended consequences mm. i had an example i had an example which comes from which actually i think comes from a level my a level philosophy classes with a brilliant teacher i had that i think i mentioned before called howard baker um i was lucky enough to do a level a level philosophy which was pretty rare uh, pretty rare that people get a chance to do it, um, and the example given was that you know if you you're standing outside a bank or uh, a school, you know, um, so this is a thought experiment. You're standing outside a school and you see a masked man with a gun running towards it, and uh, he's he's about to run past you, and you have the chance to stick out your leg and trip him up. Now, should you do it? Every, I mean, initially, almost everybody would say, all of the things being equal, yes, of course you should. You should save the people inside from what he looks like, looks very likely to be about to do. And you should, you should, you should trip him over and you should, uh, uh, you should stop him getting in there. Now, add to that that you're a pacifist. You're a hard pacifist. You're a committed pacifist. Um, and you don't think that violence is ever justifiable. So you say, no. I'm not going to. I'm a pacifist. I'm not going to commit this act of violence. Violence is never warranted. And what are the consequences? The consequences are very, very, a very high likelihood that people get killed. So essentially what you're doing is you're putting your need for clean hands, the need, your need for consci- to, to uh, keep your conscience clean above the consequences for other people. And actually, I think the consequences for you in the the, the long run as well. Um, and mor- being moral isn't necessarily easy. Keeping your hands clean 
is very, very attractive. But doing the right thing is not necessarily easy. Nobody said it would yeah. be easy. I mean, I, I want to sort of cut, exactly. I want to come back. I mean, I want to explore a little bit more of these these unicorns in the, the centre, if you like, because I've been noticing a few of these rather sort of yellow orange. Um, I mean, we're not going to get a party political here, uh, but you know, there have been a few little yellow orange unicorns um, that I've spotted. I want. What well, I mentioned Labour, one well, of them. Labour, Labour, Labour have them as well. No, I, I, I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah, and, and I'm just yeah. currently focusing on these particular ones. Another one that I've, I've, I've heard a couple of times is this sort of, you know, Macron came from nowhere and created this new, this, this new movement. Um, we need to have belief. We need to have vision. We can change British politics. We can have, there's something going on here. Something's going to shift. Something's going to change. We could build a majority. I mean, get real. Okay. The path to changing Britain, the path to achieving your goals, if you're um, of the centre and if you believe in electoral reform and if you believe in bringing our politics back from the extremes of the left and the right, um, the path to doing that isn't through some magical wishful thinking where one day you wake up with a centrist majority. It is through using the political system to achieve exactly. your end. Right? So if you're, if, you're a, if, you're, if you're a Lib Dem... And you have been a lifelong Lib Dem and you have a serious problem with, uh, with, with, with Corbyn and the people around Corbyn and the direction that the Labour Party has taken. Um, and you don't identify with them and you don't identify with the right either and you cannot bring yourself to vote for any, you know. Um, think about this. How are you going to achieve the change that you need in order to be able to play uh, a, an actual role in delivering... And the same, of course, the same question goes to Labour people. If, if you're yeah, if you're yeah, a born again Corbynista and you want you know you want to kill austerity and you want to deliver change, how are you going to do that unless you get elected? Unless you get your program on onto the statute book? It's, it's all well and good to sit back in opposition and preach, but in the meantime, Johnson's going to go ahead and he's going to dismantle the United Kingdom. He's going to dismantle the National Health Service. He's going to do all of these things. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not but, scare stories. But, they, but then we get to blame. I mean, this is the... And blame is the real killer here because so much of this seems to be positioning to not be blamed for what happens afterwards. To say, well, look, we were pure, we were clean, we opposed Brexit, or we, had a, we, uh, we offered a people's vote, or uh, we offered an end to austerity. This wasn't our fault. We did, every, we did everything we could. And it's not good enough to think... Morally, I think it's not good enough to think... As long as I've done everything I can, then that's all that ma- then that's all right. then that's all that matters, uh, regardless of the consequences. Regardless, it's it, it's not. I don't think it's defensible to disregard the to disregard the consequences. Well, unfortunately, and it's exactly the same. I mean, with Lib Dems in a majority, the system means that the 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 percentage of votes that the Tories need to get a majority would be nowhere near enough for the Lib Dems to get a majority. Mm. You know, they really need to be getting 30, 38, 39, 40% to have a chance at a majority in Parliament. And even if you believe in the Lib Dem surge, that's not going, that's not going to happen. And as we said, the, 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 the pundits place the, the chances of a Labour majority at virtually zero. So there's going to have to be some sort of agreement afterwards. Now, so the so the the frustration for me who spent you know it'll be the same for you I'm sure 
it spent three years sort of destroying uh, destroying leave unicorns. Is that now we seem to have you know large numbers of people who 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 are putting their faith in 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 unicorns for the sake of keep for the sake of keeping their keeping yeah. their keeping their hands clean. Yeah. Like I say, getting your hands getting your hands dirty is not easy. You know, I'm not dismissing this as as a as a trivial thing. It's really really not trivial. No. Um, and people assume that everybody who everybody who is proposing tactical voting doesn't have their own party allegiances. I'm a member of a party, and I have um, I have very very strong beliefs exactly about about what I want to happen. And uh, Labour would not be my choice of government in an ideal in an ideal world. No, um, but you it you, you have to you that have is, to think about that. You have to think about think about the consequences. Yeah, it's infuriating. I, I got a slightly patronising um, message this morning from somebody um, saying, "Well, given all this confusion, that the only way to purity is to dilute the the mess by voting with your heart and voting for for, for a green candidate." And I'm like, you know, don't. I don't need a lecture on voting green. You know, I've been a member of the Green Party for a very long time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I if you know, it, or in an ideal situation where my um, where my um, what was it? My intentions um, could match with with the consequences, which you'd, yeah, you'd like yeah. to see in an, in an electoral system. Fantastic! I'd be voting green, and my vote would be reflected proportionally, and I might end up with green representation in, in government. But the reality yeah, is that I don't live in a, an electoral system that delivers that. And if I vote for a green candidate, which dilutes the anti. Tory vote in my constituency and allows a Tory candidate to win in my constituency, what I've done is materially damage the environment. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the consequences on the environment of a Boris Johnson five-year five government Absolutely. will be yeah. catastrophic. Yeah. So, you know, I, what I find incredibly frustrating is that people have, you know, people, good people with good intentions can't see past these good intentions and look at the consequences. I, I, I find it incredibly frustrating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I got, well, I, I've talked before about how I don't necessarily get party allegiance in the way that in the way that uh, that, that most most party members do. But the objective is not just getting power for your party; it's also promoting promoting the outcomes that your party that your party party wants. Mm. You know, um, and yeah, as you said before, the only way to do that is to have some leverage over power, uh, which this would do. The other thing, I mean, the other thing that's been deeply frustrating is that, I mean, I've been accused of being a, a Corbynista shill. Uh, I've had everybody who everybody who promotes tactical voting has 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 partisan stuff thrown at them. Tactical voting would mean a, a huge uplift in votes for the Lib Dems, and it would mean uh, more Labour seats than they're going to get otherwise. Mm. So both par- both main opposition parties, UK-wide opposition parties, gain from this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's not as if there's a downside here, except people's sense of self-worth in that they've dirted themselves by voting for a candidate for a, in a party where they don't feel particularly comfortable. Which, OK, we well, can't dismiss. You know, it, it, is, it is an ask. We are, it is a big ask of people yeah, to exactly, do that. Yeah, yeah. But... It doesn't take that great a leap of imagination to understand 
why that might be worth doing in its own right. Never, never mind the the big first order goal. You know, also yeah. the second order goals can be helped with this. You know, there are all but, sorts of reasons why it might be worth doing. But I mean, I think quite a few people's response would be the downside of a Corbyn government, and they can't tolerate the idea of a Corbyn government. But which is which is which is un- understandable. But the alternative is the Johnson yeah, government. Exactly. So if you if if you can't tolerate, I mean, God. It, I want a system where those aren't the only two options. That would be fantastic. That yeah. would be the best thing possible. But it is not. It's not available. It's simply not available. I wish it was, but it's not available. But you have to be honest. If you say you cannot countenance Corbyn as prime minister, then you have to be honest that you would rather have Johnson as prime yeah, minister yeah. And, and five years of Tory <coughs> government. Because it's no good wishing that wasn't the case, but that is the case. Those are the only; t- they're the only two people who are going to be prime minister here. Well, let, let's talk idea- a little bit about that. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. yeah, no, no, go on. No, no. No, I, I mean, think, I think that's say, actually. I think you're going to say what I was going to say. Yeah, that, that's something we need to <coughs> we need to think a little bit about because before the election, we were still in the realm of talking about government of national unity, where there were all sorts of people who might have ended up being prime minister in, in it. But if it was only ever going and to be short been the term, best outco- and that, that would have been the best outcome. That would have been the best outcome by far at the time. Yeah. yeah. But but right now we're in an election phase, and um, what's interesting, I mean, when we went into it, I I, I was terrified. It, it it made me feel physically sick. I was I was it because what we're looking at now is it's an all or nothing. You know, we've thrown every, we've thrown the dice. It, it's all on the outcome of this. Yeah, yeah. If, if 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 Johnson gets his majority, which he may very well do, it's all lost. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's all gone, yeah. if he doesn't. If he doesn't, if in any kind of hung parliament situation, even where the Tories are the largest party, there is still the possibility that the, that, that, that the rest of them can get together enough seats to put, you know, to, to pull into um, a minority government or a coalition government led by the other side. Now, what, what does yeah. that mean? That means Jeremy Corbyn. Let, let's. We yeah, need to yeah, be clear absolutely. about this. That means Jeremy Corbyn would be the prime minister. It's either going to be Jeremy Corbyn or it's going to be Boris Johnson. And I wish that wasn't the case. Yeah, but I really, is. really wish that wasn't right? the case. But it is the case. And 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 pretending it isn't is doesn't help anything. However, it doesn't help exactly. However, we're not talking about a Jeremy Corbyn majority government where he can yes, push exactly. through a Venezuela-style program. We're talking about. A, a, um, a Jeremy Corbyn government where, A, he's committed to a referendum. Yep. Right? B, he is going to be reliant upon support from the SNP and the Lib Dems for uh, his ability to deliver anything at all. Anything at all, yeah, and absolutely. So, so the, the key question here is, are the Lib Dems and the SNP in that scenario going to be clever enough to use the leverage that they will have in order to extract what they need? Yeah, this is the absolutely. biggest opportunity. You know, if, if it would be the biggest opportunity that either of them would have had ever. I mean, arguably since since Clegg threw away the leverage that he had. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know. And no, and Sturgeon said she's prepared to work with. She's prepared to work with any of the opposition parties to stop a Tory government and, yeah. to, and, to, and to stop Brexit. Um, and yeah, okay, there'll be, a, there'll be a price for that on Indy Ref 2. Hmm. Um, absolutely. 
but yeah, that, but that's how negotiations work. Is that there's you know there's leverage on there's leverage on 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 both sides. I think as well, you know, you don't need people are very scared of of the idea of a coalition. It doesn't have to be a coalition, and I don't think it would be a coalition because no, exactly. Labour mm. Labour don't want Labour don't want a coalition. No. Lib Dems said they don't want a coalition, and it doesn't so, have to be. It doesn't. No, exactly. It doesn't have to be. All all Labour have to be able to demonstrate is that they can get major. That they can get a program, mm. th- a program through Parliament, mm. and that program will initially be very, will be very limited because it'll be curtailed by what the SNP and the Lib Dems are willing to are willing to support. So you're not. So this is a very crucial point, Chris, that you make that mm. you're not elect. You're not electing a Labour majority government, a Corbyn led majority government. Mm. That's not going to happen. That is shockingly unlikely unlikely to happen here um and people say well i don't trust corbyn okay well that's fine no, don't trust corbyn but if he welsh if he welsh is on the promise for example of a of a uh, of a referendum then the other parties withdraw all support instantly and they both would i mean i, I know the smp would i'm certain mm. i'm pretty certain the lib, the lib dems would mm. And voila, you have a majority, you have a dead duck minority government mm. that can't get it, that can't get a thing through, mm. and almost certainly another another general election. Yeah. Which, having got into number ten, Labour would not want. Labour would not want another 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 election because they wouldn't want to wouldn't want to risk that. Mm. Um, particularly on the back of just having fucked off the the parties they'd need support from to form another government. So so there's a safeguard there. The other thing people get upset about is that he wants to renegotiate mm. the Brexit deal. Um, let him. Yeah. I don't understand. I really don't understand what the problem is with this. Yeah. Um, let him go and renegotiate it. The uh, the uh, political declaration is probably open to being yes. being renegotiated. Exactly. Most mm-hmm. of what he most of what he said will. Um, it'll be softer. Um, although we wait to hear what the news is about freedom of movement and the single market, which I think is going to be absolutely absolutely crucial. Um, and then let them and let them go and support it as well. I mean, I'm very happy to have a referendum arguing against a soft Brexit that is the same as we have now, but without control. Mm. I'm very, very happy. A point. It would be totally a totally pointless Brexit. Not even, you know, not even trade deals to 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 mitigate it. There's literally no upside to that kind of to, to that kind of Brexit. Um, so I'd be very, very happy to campaign against that. Hard Brexits are actually much harder to campaign against mm. because you have the you have the the table thumping, flag waving, don't you know who we are, uh, global <coughs> Britain thing, which is very attract, which is extremely <coughs> attractive to 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 uh, we know is extremely attractive to a, a large minority of a mm. large minority of people, and it's also simple and easy to sell. Mm. Whereas um, uh, a very soft Brexit. Uh, is very very hard to sell because it's 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 a lot of cost and a reduction in a reduction in influence for absolutely nothing to only to to be in not quite as good a position as we are now. Mm. So let him go and renegotiate that, and then ha- and then have the referendum against it. Yeah. Then the th- then the, then the third point, which I think is the point Steve Pearce made. I mean, so a lot quite a few people have said, ah, yes, but you'd have the campaign machine of Labour behind it. You'd have all the data and all of that kind of stuff. Um, well, I think there's two things there. The first is that I mean I think it's quite unlikely that Labour would attempt to whip Remainer Labour MPs to campaign for Brexit for the for the Labour deal, but okay maybe that's not the maybe that's not the case maybe I'm wrong about that. But Steve Pearce made the the point very well 
why do you want Corbyn to argue for Remain? Mm, exactly. It didn't help in it didn't it didn't help in 2016. Mm. Nobody really believes he's a Remainer, yeah. um, which I think is a, a, a decent point. Um, so why why would we want seven out of ten Jeremy uh, yeah. to come and to come and campaign for it? I'd, I'd rather I'd I'd actually much rather he stayed neutral if that yeah. came to pass. Well, that would be ideal. Exactly. No, exactly. I, you know, uh, the thing is, if we get a referendum, which they've promised, you know, so if we get a hung parliament, then we get a referendum. It, I think it's, it, I think that's likely. If we get a referendum, I think that's eminently winnable. I really do. And 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 even more winnable if you've got both leadership, you know, the leadership of both these highly unpopular parties, ca- you know, campaigning against it yeah, or yeah, neutral yeah, for yeah, it. Absolutely. You know. And the other th- the other thing I wanted to and, come back to. And, sorry, go on. Yeah. Sorry, just on the campaigning thing. Yeah. How would how would how would the Brexit Party campaign on a soft Brexit versus Remain referendum, which is what it would be? They'd, again, they'd be they'd be completely neutralized. Yeah. They'd be neutralized yeah. by this. They'd have to argue. They'd either have to argue boycott it or mm. uh, go for the go for the leave option, and we'll fuck it up later. Yeah. Which was, uh, I think, an ERG plan all along. Actually, mm. go for any option and then um, yeah. and then fuck it up later. Yeah. Um, again, which are in, you know incoherent, difficult to sell. Difficult to sell positions. Yeah. So you, again, this is this is twenty percent of twenty percent of Brexit support kind of neutralised instantly by it. I really, I really don't see the issue with this. No. So the, the so it's it's not necessarily a bad thing that Corbyn is himself not at at best um, at best neutral yeah. on this. No, absolutely. No, I agree. Um, the thing I wanted to come back to was the. Um, criticism that a lot of people make of, of, of Corbyn's plan to renegotiate. Um, now, you and I have both said the, the, the deal's not up for renegotiation, but we, we're not talking about, the, we're, t- we're primarily talking about the political declaration here. Now, yeah, there's yeah. been a lot of discussion about unicorns on, on, on the Labour side as well as on the Tory side, because the Tories are talking about getting a deal done um, within 11 months. Now, th- th- that's the future relationship deal. They're talking yeah, about the future yeah. trade agreement. That's never going to be done by the end of 2020. There's not a chance in hell. There's no, no chance. Absolutely. That's going to take years. And, you know, for them to promise to get it done or else we'll leave off a cliff edge. Well, we've been here before. It's yeah, pure bluff. It's yeah. pure, of course they'll extend the transition period. We know that. Of course they will. You know, I mean, and I'm not, even well, the more, I'm the more not so, completely convinced. I think all that. the more so. If he gets a majority, all the more so, because then he's not going to, uh, you know, have to bow to his, you know, ex- Yeah, if he gets a majority, he'll be, yeah, you know, So without a shadow of a doubt, um, we'll be in re- renegos- we'll be negotiating that future relationship for the, for, for, for the next, for yes. the entirety of the next parliament, for sure. Okay, yeah. what what Corbyn's talking about is not the future relationship. He's talking about the current deal, the, the withdrawal, the, the so-called oven-ready deal of Boris Johnson's. That he goes back to Brussels and says, "All right, well, this is rubbish. Uh, we can certainly do better than this. Let's have level, level playing field. Let's have this. Let's have that. Let's do whatever we can to minimise uh, the impact on on, on our you know, on our sec- on our um, industrial sectors and so on." And you know, and and I think that's entirely achievable. It, it's just choosing a different step on the on the Barnier staircase. Well, because that, yeah, exactly. It's 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 already it's basically off shelf. But I would put a note of caution on this that it really depends what comes out on freedom of movement. Because mm. if Labour continues to be so, basically, if Labour commits to freedom of movement, uh, state aid, uh, and dynamic alignment, and so on, then they get then there's an off the shelf model available. You know, so the withdrawal agreement actually would the withdrawal agreement itself would basically just have to revert to a, revert mainly to 
males mm. Mm. text, um, i.e., putting the rights and commitments back mm. into the back back into the uh, the withdrawal agreement mm. rather than the political declaration, mm. and then the political declaration would have to be would would be redrafted for a single market and customs union uh, future style future relationship, mm. which. I'm pretty sure the text already exists for somewhere in Brussels, to be honest. Yeah, um, because that because lots of different versions were drafted uh, yeah. were drafted in a pre- in preparation along the way. Yeah. So I, there's what I'm pretty sure there's stuff sitting in drawers that can be pulled out and presented. Yeah. The difficulty is if they take an anti freedom of movement stance, then that is essentially anti single market, and we're back into a, a May style trying to find a May style future uh, uh, political declaration on the on the future relationship and that would require that would potentially require significant negotiation because you have the trade off you have the trade off of market access and freedom of movement because it wouldn't then be an off the shelf single market mm. single market deal and that's that's potentially much more mm. much more difficult mm. um so i think quite a lot hinges on that i think it would be a i mean i think it would be a serious mistake to reject freedom of movement because I think freedom of movement is an excellent thing. Well, indeed. But I also, but I also think strategically in terms of um, a renegotiation, it, it would be potentially quite disastrous actually because um, because it, yeah. it does put into jeopardy the idea that you could renegotiate this fast. And if it's off the shelf, I mm. think they can renego- renegotiate it fast. Mm. And you've seen that lots of the stuff about uh, a customs union with a genuine UK say in EU trade deals that that's been quite that's quietly drifted off you know mm. it's pretty clear that some sort of consultation mechanism would be satisfactory would be enough for them on that now mm. you know mm. they've stopped saying they're going to have a say in EU's bilateral trade deals mm. um and and so on so you know there's been a there's been a general softening but i think a, a huge amount will hinge on freedom of movement and i think it'll be a, to be honest pretty disastrous uh disastrous for them if they uh uh if they reject it because it, because it also makes our uh, our mantra and and and, and please for people to vote tactically a little bit harder as well. Mm. Um, because then you are you you know if you one of the arguments is if they come back with a single market and custom, if they're going to come back with a single market and customs union deal, then the worst case scenario gets that little bit less worse, mm. less bad. Whereas if they're going to reject freedom of movement, then the chances of them coming back with a deal are slimmer. And the chances of them coming back with, and and what they would come back with would be that much worse if it if it was if it was to win. Yeah, so. ex- except that in um in, in a tactical voting scenario, what you're talking about is trying to engineer a hung parliament whereby the the smaller parties would hold leverage over the larger party, uh, in order to ah this mitigate. Is a good point. What, I hadn't thought of that. In order to yeah. mitigate what 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 they're going after, because I mean, you know, the Labour Party's position on freedom of movement is is, is pretty uh, pretty depressing, um, but. <laughs> but um, in the own, in, they're not going to get a majority. So, in a scenario where the Labour Party is going back to Brussels to renegotiate, um, they are going to have the SNP and the Lib Dems breathing down their back. Now, you know, we've stopped holding out for British politicians standing up for freedom of movement. But even so, I would like to think that at the very least, the SNP, and I would hope also the, 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 the Lib Dems... Oh, I'm sure they would. I'm sure would the Lib Dems would. I'm sure they would. the yeah, Labour sure Party revisiting that, that, that aspect of their, of their platform. And, I, and I, I suspect they'd be pushing it an open door among a, a great, you know, a, a, among a certain number of, of Labour MPs. So with any oh, luck... Oh, yeah, I mean, well, well I, I think the, the, the motion from the conference on freedom of movement exactly. It's pretty unequivocal. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. So I think no. I think they'd have huge support in the Labour Party exactly. for that. Exactly. No, I hadn't. No, I hadn't actually. I hadn't actually. I have to admit, I hadn't 
considered the that aspect of it the 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 opposition the other opposition parties would also be an attenuator and uh and and have influence on the position they took in a renegotiation mm. that's an excellent mm. point i really mm. hadn't mm. i really hadn't thought thought that actually mm. So, yeah, so, I mean, we've had a slightly disjointed conversation, um, but um, I think quite a passionate one. On, 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 we both feel very strongly about this. Um, this is a real opportunity. We've, we've really been offered a lifeline here by this election, but it's a really scary one because if it breaks, yeah. then we're plunging to our dooms. And, um, you know, as I was saying, when the election was first um, announced, I, I just felt absolutely terrified to the point where i was i felt physically sick but the next day um i actually began to think you know what this is actually this is doable we've got um we've got the real prospect of tactical votes um delivering a big uptick in uh lib dem seats for sure possibly labor seats as well though labor might may have had a high tide mark in 2017 but you know where could the where can the Tories go, especially if they're being um, squeezed by the Brexit Party in those Northern Labour seats? Well, then you know <laughs> then came the killer, then came the sucker punch, which was the the the, the uh, you know, predictable but nevertheless depressing Farage stunt, whereby he pulls all the candidates um, in Tories in, in vulnerable Tory seats. So you're going to have a united Leave yeah. vote. Um, and that there's no way around it. That is going to help them. That that helps Johnson get a majority because yeah. it makes his the seats where he's got MPs safer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it makes and the ones where Labour's a yeah. challenger. It makes ones where Labour's a yeah. challenger uh, easier to win. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So where 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 we're looking at? Um, so where we're looking at? existing Labour seats or, or Lib Dem seats that are targets for the Tories, because the, the Brexit Party is now apparently, I think, going to be running candidates in those seats, because now, I mean, the mm-hmm. deadline's passed, so we know who's running in each yeah. seat, and yeah. they're, they're running candidates in those seats. That can still help our yeah. side if we vote tactically. So if we unite behind single candidates, then that can help us make sure that we keep those keep those seats out of Tory hands. But in terms of the seats that are already there, of which there are a great many, and let's not forget the fact that Johnson has lost his majority is because people defected. It's not because yeah. people lost lost by-elections. So yeah, yeah, you have to treat them as Tory seats. You have to treat them as Tory seats. It may be that, um, you know, the Philip Lees um, and the Sam Jimas and, uh, you know, can win for the Lib Dems, or, or Dominic Grieve might even win in Beaconsfield, you never know. But I think mm. you'd have to be naive to us. You know, you, you mustn't be complacent about that. Rather the contrary. I mean, you've got to assume that you probably won't. Which well, it's means, always with, it's yeah. always with the right... It's always the same with the right versus left. The right unites to get power and then and then tears itself apart. Uh, the left tears itself apart while it's trying to get power and fails. Mm. You know, this is, uh, mm. this, is, this is always what happens. Yeah. So what do we do? What what should people do practically, Chris? Well, what what they should do practically is, um, for the vast majority of us, do absolutely nothing and vote the way we were always going to vote. But for a few of us, for a few of those people listening, you are going to be voting 
in constituencies where where there is a real possibility that either uh, John Johnson will lose a seat or they will gain a seat. And if you're in one of those seats, firstly, you need to inform yourself about that. You need to know whether you are or not. And if you find out that indeed you are in one of those seats, then you need to vote tactically. You need to work out which candidate is most likely to defeat the Tory candidate in that seat. And you need to vote for that person. And you yeah. need to hold your nose and do it if, if that's what it takes. Now, how do you do you that? Can... Right. Well, yeah, how you do that is you go to the, the tactical voting sites. Yeah, and uh, you look at uh, you look at their recommendations, and you look at I mean, people have their people have their favourites, but they all have they all have decent yeah. decent me- methodologies here. Um, and you look for where the overlap is, and you look for the argumentation in 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 your in uh, your constituency. Yeah, and you look for, and you look at where the recommendations overlap. Somebody said that we need a comparison site for them. Yeah, and I think actually <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, we can try. No, well, somebody's already done it, so I think yeah. we can. I think I think we can find the link for that and and put it up as well. Yeah, so I'll do a bit of research and and put some of those up in the in the episode notes, yep. and we'll also tweet it with um, when we tweet when we tweet the episode out when we've got it edited and published. But yeah. um, for those listening, um, in short, uh, the, the easy way to do this is just to go to Best for Britain. Yeah, I, I think that you know that that I'm I would I would place a fair amount of reliance on on their methodology and and go and see what they've been yeah. uh advocating and you couldn't and go too far wrong and don't don't just rely on 2017 or european parliament election or local election results you know i mean i've seen a lot of stuff saying well we got a majority we got a majority in 2017 here therefore we're best placed uh mm. to win it and that may be the case but it may not be mm. because we saw in the european parliament elections firstly in the ep elections tactical voting worked in that uh we got green and liberal democrat people elected plus we got labor party to move on a second referendum yeah so tactical voting has already been extremely was was extremely effective then um the the other thing i was going to say is i want to give a big shout out to network.vote um which is a really really important uh website and movement and campaign and this is to get voter registration among people, among people and groups that have uh, that have historically low voter registration and low turnout. And it's an absolutely brilliant resource about how you can take uh, the uh, the the effort to get people to use their vote offline and into communities. And it's got huge resources of how to how to go about doing this and materials to use and so on. And I know the people who uh, I know the people who set this up, and they're really, really good people, and have done a really, really good job on it. So it's network vote, um, because the people who are most affected by elections actually tend to have the lowest voting, hmm. uh, lowest voting ratios, uh, particularly in migrant and BAME communities. So, uh, so please go to that and see what you can do locally, and it can be as simple as offering to give people lifts on the day if you can. Um, but it's about going out and talking to people in real life and getting off social media and really getting individuals to go and and communities to go and to go and do this. So a big shout out for network vote yeah. network dot vote. Great. So I'm, two things I wanted to do. One is that I wanted to echo what you said about tactical voting actually delivering results. A lot of people say, "Well, we did this in 2017 and look what happened. Nothing happened. Look, a lot happened. Mm. You know, we kept we 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 killed." Theresa May's mandate for Brexit. Yeah. 
Yeah. We showed the Labour Party that it would profit, it would benefit from being a Remain party. I mean, they may not have learned the lesson in the leadership, but I think no, plenty no, of people in the party saw precisely yeah. what, what happened. Right. So um, tactical voting can for sure deliver. Um, it has been proven to deliver and it can deliver again. So absolutely, um, that don't don't be disheartened or discouraged by that. Um, and I, but I, just on that, I really do recognise, you know, there was this thing, 82% of people voted yes. for parties that would implement the referendum. Yes. I really, I really understand. I was one of the people who was and still is deeply, deeply upset that our votes were used were used by both sides, were used by Labour and Conservative, Labour Lexiters and Conservatives, um, in that way, yeah. and I think that was absolutely disgusting, you know. And I'm, I, I, <clears throat> I just want to make it clear that I don't, you know, that is not. Uh, that was that was that was a very 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 bad well, bad thing to happen. But um, that's not the case this time. No, no, but hang on, no, it probably will be. We need to be ready for that. Don't don't have any. Don't be under any illusion. If the Labour Party emerges from this election with. Um, with a position against freedom of movement in its manifesto, as the second largest party or even the largest party, or with, oh yeah, they'll try they to will pretend it. Yeah. that we voted yeah, yeah, to yeah. kill freedom of movement. Okay, don't be discouraged by that. Don't oh, be yeah, disheartened no, no, by that. You didn't. We didn't. Okay, um, and but they won't be able to get past the referendum thing. No, they won't exactly. get, be able to exactly. get past that. Exactly. We voted for referendum. Don't, That's you know, the key thing. That, exactly. Now, yeah. the, the thing I wanted to f- finish on um, is um, another sort of public service announcement, which is very niche. Um, there will, it will only be uh, applied to a very few listeners to this podcast, but I know that there are a few of them. So I understand that local authorities in the UK, I don't even know, it might even be too late to register to vote, is it? But, I mean, it's, nope, it's, it's nope, getting close. Nope. There are, close. Local authorities in the UK have been accepting registrations from UK citizens in the EU or who have been work, who've been here for more than 15 years. So people who've normally fallen off the electoral roll and been dis- disenfranchised. If you work for the EU institutions, because you're ah. considered to be a crown servant, in yeah. past elections that hasn't been the case... That's um, a big change, actually. It's a very big change. Um, I know that there have been successful applications among my colleagues to their local authorities to register to vote at their old voting address by claiming to be clou- crown servants. Not, not, no false claims. Absolutely straight. You give your, you yeah. give your organisation or your institution as the EU. As you go into your details. But those applications have been accepted, and people have got back onto the electoral register. So if if so you can. Re- do that. So people in the institutions really need to try yeah. doing that. Yeah. 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 Oh, very good. But I didn't know that. Yeah. That's no, actually it's... something that, that that's something that, that that's been campaigned for by a long time yeah. for a long time by yeah. Brits in the EU. That's quite a significant thing. Yeah. 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 No, indeed, because um, you know, we, we 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 were told when we originally applied for, for for roles in the EU institutions and we argued that well it's effectively it's an extension of of Crown Service. Civil service, yeah. Exactly, yes, yeah. You know, um you're representing the EU level, not the not the national level, but it's still Crown Service, and you know we wouldn't be here if we weren't doing it as, as civil yeah. service. Yeah. Oh, good, good public service announcement, Chris. All right. Excellent. Okay, we have to cut off. I'm afraid mm-hmm. this is probably going to be a slightly shorter podcast than usual, um, but mm, um, not that much. No. <laughs> and it's certainly been a slightly but, but, less professional one than even than usual. <laughs> <laughs> on, my, on my part, well, I feel it has been. Well, we're a bit, we're a bit out of practice yeah, as well, we are a bit, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. 
But, you know, um, it, it, it's good to chat to you again, Steve. And uh, you were talking yeah, you earlier about you not being a statistician, but you look like the epitome of an open university professor right now. Your beard is just... <laughs> I've never. I was, I'm really getting a quite bad case of beard envy. Well, you know, I, I was um, to get away from the 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 the, the tribalism, internecine fighting, and pointless slaughter of Twitter recently. I've been and while I was sick, um, I was watching. I was watching the series Vikings, so I've been a bit inspired by it. There's far less pointless, mindless violence in Vikings than there is on on, on partisan general election Twitter. So. Yeah. Well. All right, um, listen, um, I need to go. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to cut you off in midstream about the Vikings and right. Twitter, Twitter bloodbaths. Um, and say thank you very much. It's good to talk to you again, Steve. Um, let's yeah, try and talk to you. come back in a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, absolutely. No, we'll do it, certainly do another one pre-election. I mean, I think that's another thing about, about the – just a, a final thing to say about tactical voting is that all of the information, all of the data isn't in yet. Yeah. You know? So what we're arguing for, we're not arguing for you to make the decision of who to vote for right now. We're, ma- we're arguing for you to make the decision that you're going to vote tactically now yeah. and to wait and see what the, the data shows as we get better and more polling closer to the, yeah. closer to the, the date. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do so, this. Yeah, no, we'll, well, thank you very much if you've, if you've made, it, made it through this far, as ever. And uh, yeah, we'll certainly be back before the election uh, to talk about that. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks Good, Good night, Steve. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Bye bye. Loss. They can't